Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hypnotic Healers. My name is Nicole Mazzucato, and as always, I'm here with my amazing host, Anthony Gitch, from across the pond in Seattle. Um, as usual, our usual disclaimer, neither Anthony nor I are doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, or anything of the sort. So please don't make any changes to any medication or treatments that you're receiving based on the contents of this conversation. Take what you like and leave the rest. And while you're leaving stuff, why don't you leave us a really nice review, thumbs up, share us around, show us some love. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Mr. Rory Z. Fulcher. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. And thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for giving up your, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Giving up some of your New Year's Day to be here to talk to us. That's absolutely fine. Great to be here. So Rory, you tell us, tell us a bit about, I mean, you're all over the place and you've got so many things going on and websites and, and, and trainings and all sorts. How, how did this all start for you? Oh, how did it start? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I definitely have a lot of stuff going on. But yeah, it start, started off um, kind of innocuously, really, in my teenage years. I'd uh, kind of always been a fan of um, the stranger things in life. I quite liked horror stories and things growing up as a teenager. I used to read quite a lot. And within that and like the films that I was watching and and, and that kind of thing there were uh, lots of mentions whether overtly or very subtly of hypnotism and mind control and all of those things that kind of fit into that genre and so that kind of spurred me on and as a a teenager pre-internet kind of days uh, I went to the local bookshop and they had one book on hypnosis uh, which is the book that I started out with Um, and I thought okay I'll take this I'll see see what it's all about and the the very first thing that I did uh, with hypnosis having kind of read some stuff from that book and like worked a little intuitively creating suggestions uh, was I stopped myself from smoking I know teenager smoking, but I, I was a music student um, and that was kind of uh, the, the fashion at the time. So I did smoke a, a fair bit. Um, but that initial thing that I did with hypnosis worked, which very quickly um, convinced me that it was a useful thing that I could potentially learn to do. And I was hooked from that point. So I then started, I was kind of, I started off self-taught. So I read all the books that I could get my hands on and I was like calling around to find books and um watching videos and the the key thing for me that I started with in my first year of doing hypnosis kind of um, without anyone guiding me uh, was trial and error so that's how I started out you know seeing if I could do something that's I, I, I like to you know attribute some of my style to, to doing that, to having a go and seeing yeah. if it works and sometimes fucking it up a little bit and then changing it and making it, um, making it work the next time, you know, so that's, that's where I started out. And then from, from that point onwards, started doing various different courses all over the place and helping people, you know, so I, I corrected some of the things that I thought were you know, not quite so favorable about myself. Um, initially, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't used to um, have very high confidence. So I used to be very, fairly unconfident. Actually, I would barely answer the phone. Um, I'm slightly different to that now, but that was something I, I dealt with very early on. And I then went from that having helped myself to helping my friends and family before then seeing paying clients um, in my local area. But I was kind of missing that 
that entertainment aspect of you know the, the musician side of things turns out I'm a terrible musician I'm not particularly musical whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> but I went on a, a, a brief stage hypnosis course a two-day course I think it was um, with some random bloke and then the day after I put myself out there as a stage hypnotist and I think I got my very first stage hypnosis show the week after that um, so wow. I, I then started doing stage hypnosis shows in private events so birthdays and weddings and you know that kind of thing all across the country whilst building up as a hypnotherapist um so yeah that and and uh, in the meantime as well whilst I was doing all that getting you know the relevant qualifications and expanding my knowledge to the point where I could work as a hypnotherapist safely and um, you know ethically effectively uh, because it's all well and good reading from books are a fantastic starting point but you, you tend to need a, a definite structure when you're working with with individuals because they are <laughs> individuals very frequently as I'm sure you guys are very aware from your own therapy work um so it, it does help to to have a, a full grounding in how to do whatever it is that you need to do to help people and mm -hmm. then yeah I mean that's that's how I started and um, fast forward to uh, so over a decade later now uh, that makes me feel old um <laughs> but yeah now now the majority of my time is spent as, as you've said um teaching and you know creating resources for people who are looking to learn hypnosis whether that's hypnotherapy or rapid hypnosis which is one of the things that I'm um, you know more well known for um, and also stage hypnosis and street hypnosis as well so that's what I spend the majority of my time doing now and it's definitely more than a full-time job <laughs> and yeah, do you still yeah. see clients I'm not seeing clients um, at, at the moment because I just don't have time to get into the headspace to consistently do that whilst doing all of the other stuff that I have on at the moment um, so mm -hmm. it is something that I, I will you know I'll create bespoke mp3s for clients if they specifically want to work with me but I have you know hundreds uh, I think nearly thousands of um, students uh, around the world who I can now refer people to so that's a great benefit of being a hypnosis and hypnotherapy trainer is that I know that I can refer to people and they can do good work um, where I just don't have the time to see clients at the moment yeah, yeah fair enough fair enough it's it's amazing isn't it we've heard we've heard from quite a few people that said oh I was just walking past a, a bookstall or something like that picked up this book on hypnosis and that was where where it all started I think we've heard I don't know we've heard a number of stories like that yeah and people just yeah playing around starting starting from there and then and then I mean I, I was I was kind of lucky that the one that I picked wasn't rubbish <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are there are some out there that spread a little misinformation um, as well as the ones that have lots of little nuggets of, of really useful stuff in too so yeah that was a that was a good a, you know lucky break for me that I got off on the, the right foot to get started with yeah I'm, yeah well so so 10 so you've been in the game for 10 years then oh um I've been teaching hypnotherapy now for about nine and a half years um I've been doing hypnotherapy since I was in college uh, so around 17 right. years old I'm now 35 um so okay. yeah a little a little over um but yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been been doing it for a while okay all right great um so what tell us a little bit more about the um because you do a two, a two day stage and street hypnosis um tell us a little bit more about the the stage stuff that you you do yeah, the two-day stage and street hypnosis course is, is something. It's interesting that the majority of people that come onto the course are actually hypnotherapists looking to learn how to 
being more flexible with their creation of suggestions and uh, you know going going kind of off script and that's one of the things that even in in our hypnotherapy training we're, we're very big on is not being tied down to a script that you know it's not that scripts aren't bad because they're not they're like they're a fantastic learning tool and a fantastic way to to get started learning the ropes and if you want to include specific suggestions worded in a certain way then they work absolutely great um but when a client doesn't fit that then it becomes an issue and obviously with stage and street hypnosis that's something that isn't really prevalent because you can't do a stage hypnosis show with a book of scripts in front of your face as you're addressing the audience so it's a it's a really good quick way uh, to get used to creating hypnotic suggestions off the top of your head so yeah um f for me stage you know, helping people is fantastic. So doing hypnotherapy, I, I absolutely love it. Um, but as I've said, for me, I just, I like to entertain, you know, so that's where the stage and the street um, side really do come in. And yeah, it's the, the stage and street hypnosis course is always a fun weekend, you know, learning rapid inductions on the first day and suggestibility tests, and then actually hypnotizing people and having some fun on day two, um, which is far beyond what a lot of people have have ever done with hypnosis you know and a, a lot of hypnotherapists i know from my own personal experience when i started out want to do the more sensational stuff and to see how it works and to see what they can actually do with hypnosis mm -hmm. when they're not necessarily in a therapy setting so i like to kind of provide a platform for people to do that but to do it in a safe and controlled environment because I, I'm there and I have limited numbers so we can oversee what everyone's doing to make sure it all goes safely and smoothly and everyone has a good time um mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question yeah yeah <laughs> I do yeah. like to, to ramble on a little <laughs> do you do you do um do you still do shows again the same with therapy I just haven't got the time to if if I'm if I do the stage side of things, if I do the therapy side of things, I need to immerse myself in it. Um, I can't kind of half ass it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I do. I, I frequently have people inquiring. And again, it's one of those things that I've trained so many people. I just send you send that inquiry off to my stage hypnosis students, many of whom are the successful stage hypnotists across the UK and some um, around the world as well. Yeah, nice. Nice. If um, I had more time. <laughs> <laughs> so your um your your oh, what's the word your diploma course? Do you um do you include any of the stage stuff in in the diploma course? Like more of the kind of playing around and suggestibility and and things like that. Is any of that included so that your students sort of get to play around with that and experience that as part of their learning? Yeah, I mean, with with every every kind of uh, hypnotherapy you know course that we teach is not we, we have a couple of other courses as well the diploma course as you mentioned is is our main one um mm. which i can talk about a bit later if you want any info on it but yeah with with any hypnotherapy that i teach um suggestibility especially is something that is always included um just mm. simply based on the fact that there are i mean there are some schools out there that don't teach suggestibility testing within their hypnotherapy syllabus um mm. but it's such an important tool you know for, for anyone doing hypnosis to find out how somebody's responding to mm. your suggestions and to check for resistance before the session because that's obviously as you guys know you know that could be make or break if somebody isn't is, yeah. isn't suggestible or is resisting so yeah that's something um in in terms of the 
the fun stuff we don't we don't necessarily include you know going out and you know doing doing like street hypnosis demonstrations that kind of thing but what we do transpose over is the flexibility to develop suggestions and also to you know to work with groups of people as well you know that's something that we teach on our course just like with with a stage hypnosis show hypnotizing multiple people at once it's a great skill to have you know yeah. even if you're not planning on doing therapy with a group of you know paying clients you might end up doing a little demonstration with some people that you know to convince them because some people need convincing as you know um, that you are a hypnotherapist and that you can do this stuff and here's here's mm. something that you can do so it's always good to have the skill to be able to just jump in and do some hypnosis or even to just do a suggestibility test with a group of people to showcase your talent so that's definitely something that I, I would always aim to cover with with anyone learning hypnosis absolutely yeah. and, and it, you're right there are a lot of courses out there that I know people, hypnotists that have left courses where they spent four or $5,000 and more, and if you ask them to demonstrate hypnosis, they can't do it, not with any confidence, and, and you know, certainly not right out of class. Sure, yeah. That's, that's one of the, the, the great pieces of feedback that we're getting from the majority of our graduates, and, the, the, and some of our graduates have been and trained elsewhere and spent thousands of pounds or dollars, like you said, um, on, on training and can't hypnotize or they don't feel confident doing hypnosis and it's it's more than just a theoretical practice which some some training schools just don't seem to understand you know it's kind of like if you were learning to drive and only taking your theory test can you then go out and get in a car and drive you probably not you, you right. end up causing some trouble you know so you need to have that practical element as well and to to build your confidence actually doing it whilst under the tuition of someone who actually knows what they're talking about you know um, and that's that's what we're i mean hypnotherapy especially in the uk i mean i know it's different state by state in the us but in the uk it's relatively unregulated you know and that's uh, i mean in some ways it's great because you know i wouldn't have started out as a hypnotherapist necessarily if it was regulated because I'd have had to then go and fork out a load of money to do a training course that I didn't even you know necessarily know whether I'd be able to do it or not um, so on, in that way it's good but on the other hand you uh, there are quite a few hypnotherapists out there with minimal training some with barely any training who aren't necessarily doing the safest work um, so that's that's something that we're with HypnoTC striving towards is a kind of a benchmark for the minimum competency and standards for hypnotherapists but that said <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that you need to learn in order to have that minimum standards of competency as a hypnotherapist so you know we're we're definitely not one of the shortest courses out there nor the cheapest just because you need to learn a lot of stuff to be a really good hypnotherapist i think right on yeah anthony's mentioned before i mean he's talked about this on the podcast before and i think it was it your your initial training where it was like no we're not going to practice on each other um was was that right. your, we weren't, there we was weren't an... allowed to practice the technique that we were going to be using on clients we weren't allowed to practice it with other students because of what it could possibly un what it could possibly open up right pandora's box sort of thing and and so you know now years and years down the line um had i heard that and thought about it at the time i would have ran from the training course um <laughs> but know, people don't know right because you know here i was the week out of you know once i got my license through the state or my registration through the state i opened up started seeing clients and i had never actually had the experience that we were going to be having because we weren't allowed to do it 
And so all of a sudden I needed to apply techniques in situations that I hadn't been placed in before. And so in the training that Nicole and I do now um, with control and whatnot, we make sure everybody comes to class with a problem, a challenge that they want to solve, and we're going to work with each other. And that's how we're going to learn. That's, that's part of the process because we want you to be able to apply it in a real world situation. Yeah, and it's also great to know, uh, as a therapist, the kind of experiences that your clients are having as well. Yeah. yeah. You know? So even yeah. if even if you're not necessarily working on big issues in class, because you know we we don't we don't tend to suggest to our students to bring a ten out of ten problem <laughs> because that could potentially well, derail the classroom environment. But you know, it's it's about working with real stuff, and right. you know, some some of the stuff that we do as hypnotherapists, you can't fake it you know you can't you just role play and see how it goes well, like working with beliefs if you're trying to find out you know the the event that caused a belief to happen and what consequences that person what symptoms they're having because of that negative belief you can't bullshit that you have to do it with right. a real thing right yeah. and that's like that's what i mean i mean i was trained as a as a five path practitioner and and so you know working with that reaction and and generating that as a as a form of um healing without ever having really experienced what it was like for the person that i was going to be working with to go through it um mm -hmm. you know it was it's 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 a bit uh unsettling the first time that you have something really negative or, or something go go backwards and not have any anybody to turn to so yeah i mean it's important that you have that support system and it looks like your guys' school does a pretty darn good job of that we try to be as robust as possible. <laughs> yeah, there, there are there are lots of, uh, you know, as you say, there are lots of different trainers out there. It's less regulated than we'd like it to be, but it's it, trying to regulate hypnotherapy is kind of like trying to nail custard to the wall just because it's such a, a truly complementary therapy that you can apply pretty much any other therapy modality within hypnosis, you know, uh, so try you, you then you're trying to regulate absolutely every modality in therapy, you know, within our course, we, we have mindfulness, we have REBT, we have CBT, we have um, acceptance and commitment therapy, we have some NLP stuff, we have, you know, we draw from some stage hypnosis to some extent a little now, as well. And that surprises <laughs> me. That, that surprises me to hear that. I'm really super thrilled to hear that, but it surprises me because I thought you only taught an NGH diploma course, and NGH diploma uh, courses don't generally include that. That's why I wouldn't no, be no, no, an yeah. NGH instructor. We so we 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 had that same that same thought, and the the NGH certificate is is a good certificate to get people out there and practicing, and it gives them the baseline of knowledge that they need to start seeing clients. But it doesn't sure. dive into you know what. You know, so so myself and my my uh, co-trainer who also runs a company, Dr. Kate Bevan Marks, and um, we both come from very different backgrounds, but we work with clients in a very similar way in that we we're not rigorously strict in following, you know, the process that it's laid out. You should do this, this, this um, and stick to hypnotherapy. No, you, you need to work with that individual that you have in front of you using whatever tools that you know. And if that's you right know, if, if you do have some psychotherapy tools or some counseling tools or, you know, whatever it is, you know, if it's appropriate for that client, you need to use it. So we did we do offer the uh, 
um, the NGH certificate as part of our diploma course. We actually offer three certifications with our diploma course, and that's one of them. Um, there's also our own HypnoTC diploma, which beyond the NGH certificate meets the core curriculum in the UK um, for hypnotherapy training, which is a minimum of 450 hours of training. Um, so, and loads and loads of homework. <laughs> yes, and that's um, the way it so, should be, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, I think that if you can provide, if you can prove competency through some sort of a test, then that's fine. But otherwise, you need to have that training so you can understand that number one, we're not doing therapy in the sense of doing therapy. That's trying to figure out why all the time. And, and really is what we're doing is we're getting to the to the end result of things. And so, you know, it, it's it's I'm glad to hear that that really because I was reading your stuff and I was telling Nicole before we were talking, I'm like, this will be interesting because I want to find out what this guy does. He's got a really robust program. But then when I saw the NGH thing, I was like, oh, well, now how tied into a loop is this guy? Um, <laughs> So it's it's really great to hear that you're doing all of that other stuff. That's that's just made my day. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even without because we just before all of the 2020 stuff happened, we we were just releasing a online um, hypnotherapy course uh, because obviously we have a lot of people who couldn't get to us before COVID stuff anyway. Um, so we we got that launched just before all that rubbish happened, um, wow. but. Even that, so that the, the the certificate you get with that course, that's the NGH certificate. But our course goes way beyond um, the the NGH, just because you know, so long so long as you've covered all the required material, there's there's no there's no roof on it. You don't have to stop at that point. I mean, uh, there are a lot of trainers who do, and there are some NGH trainers who read from the NGH manuals throughout their courses. I have heard. Um, that's not us. Thank <laughs> In God. fact, we 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 rewrote. <laughs> We rewrote the NGH manuals and put them into our own manuals. <laughs> so, you know, well, um, we, that means again, we have if you staff exactly, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna teach, you need to be able to take the information you're teaching and then teach it at a higher level than that information is presented anyway. You know, so that's that's what I think. You know, right so on. yeah, but. Um, again, it's it's all about giving students, giving hypnotherapists the flexibility to work mm. with absolutely anything. And even our course, but any hypnotherapy course that someone goes on, they're not. That's not going to be it for for yeah. that hypnotherapist. They need to yeah. keep learning. You know, as yeah. as with any profession. So that's that's kind of where where we're coming from. We're not precious and say, oh, you've learned this now, go and do just this. Which which yeah. some schools <laughs> just do that. Um, even even schools that charge much more money than we do, which is interesting. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but let's let's yeah. talking about them and let's yeah. carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I'll tell you uh, one last thing on about those schools though. This is really important for people to hear. Oftentimes, when you hear about those really expensive schools, I learned that those are also the schools that are going to nickel and dime you when it comes to mentoring. All of mm -hmm. a sudden, when you need something from the instructor or something like that, it's like, well, yeah, sure, for $10,000, I'll help you out through your first year. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what the fuck there, did I just, a, what the hell did I just pay for? Yeah. 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 I know, I, I've, I've heard story of a, of a school that, um, will not allow any negative reviews of the school and you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement before you sign up for the training which wow. fills me with dread if i was a potential student i said well no 
that's a bad idea, surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might yeah. it might be that the techniques taught are absolutely amazing and groundbreaking. You're not allowed to share them, but that mm. wouldn't be the point of the thought that I would jump to initially. Yeah. But hey, yeah. there are all sorts of courses out there and there are lots of people who will go for personalities, you know, rather than the content of courses. And you know, it's it's different strokes for different folks at the end of the day. But for me, we we just want to make sure that whoever we train gets the best quality training and can actually go out and do it at the end yep yeah. there you go yeah. I, uh, yeah. you know, with with, with that support <laughs> yeah yeah you know, and, and it's yeah. funny because you know i have since i've been doing this i think that every year i i take some sort of course or, yeah. or sit in on somebody's lesson about something because there's always going to be a nugget of of information that is going to provide me with an insight of a, yeah. of a way to help a client that I might not have known about before. Yeah, no matter yeah. how long you've been doing something, everybody's going to everybody's got their own way of doing things or their own way of saying things. So if you, you know, even if you're a veteran in any field and you're open-minded say, do you know what this person may be able to teach me something because I'm sure they say something in a slightly different way that I've never thought about, you're always going to learn something, which is yeah, I'm saying that's, that's why that's why the hypnosis conferences, you know, around the world are a really good thing to go to because you can get mm. kind of little, a little taster of what other people are doing and, you know, yeah. find out if something might be, might be different to how you're doing it. And that's yeah. you know, frequently um, go, go along to conferences when we're allowed to travel, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell us, I, I like, I like to ask people about sort of like interesting cases that they've had or something, you know, memorable, maybe in a, in a stage show that you did, or even, even a student or, or a client, something, you know, one of those sort of things that jumps out in your mind, like, oh yeah, I remember that, that hasn't left me. <laughs> In a, in a good way or a bad way? Well, <laughs> we've had all sorts of things. Yeah. Well, so just to let you know, like I said, the thing, we always want to hear at least one one learning thing that you had that you would drop, a, a nugget you would drop on folks to say, like, I'd never want to go through this again. Yeah. Um, very early on this one <laughs> in, in my career before I'd before I'd um, moved on to courses and I was kind of just going from books and stuff um I worked um with a stop smoking client interestingly um I was like wow this is amazing because he he booked me he, he was in Birmingham which is across the other side of the country and he, he traveled over to see me um for, for whatever reason not entirely sure why you know that this this was before i was known in the hypnosis world before i even had a book out there um and he came over from birmingham for you know for help stopping smoking i think the reason being um i was doing stage hypnosis shows as well and for some reason um you know all the all the information that's out there about stage hypnosis um people clients specifically will often think that stage hypnosis is more powerful than hypnotherapy and that stage mm -hmm. hypnotists can do more because they're seen doing all this extraordinary stuff on stage which is not necessarily as extraordinary as it might seem it's people following suggestions <laughs> but yeah so this person he, he came along and um after uh, well after our kind of brief chat <clears throat> excuse me um it transpired that he has tried absolutely everything to stop smoking already um, he's, he's one of these people who upon reflecting afterwards um like to go for therapy to prove how well he could maintain his smoking habit 
Um, yeah. I didn't pick up on this being uh, kind of novice and not particularly, I think I'd maybe done a handful of smokers before that point with all very good success. So I was like, yeah, this will be no problem whatsoever. I'll stick to what I did before. Um, and at that stage in my my career, and there's the learning point here is that I didn't really have a thorough intake consultation process with my clients. I kind of found out who they were, what their issue was, what they wanted to do instead, and went from there. I didn't really dive into any more depth about it. Um, so we did an entire session, which, as, as I said, it worked great for the previous clients. But for him, he opened his eyes at the end and said, well, I'm not really sure whether I was hypnotized. <laughs> And I fancy a cigarette. And he literally just got up, went straight outside, sparked up a cigarette. He said, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so that, and that was my very first crushing blow of, oh my God, I'm not the Messiah. It can sometimes not work. Right. <laughs> um, so that was a, a very powerful lesson for me to get more information from the people I'm working with and to be more discriminatory, bad word these days, but be more discriminatory in who I have as my clients. And yeah. if a client isn't motivated enough to be my client, then they can come back when they are. Or we can do some work on motivation till they get ready to start making a change in their life. But until mm. that point, we're not going to work on that because I don't want to have low success rates, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's the you know the, the flip side of that coin is I don't want people going away from a session thinking, well, that didn't work. Hypnotherapy is rubbish. I'm not going to try hypnotherapy again because, you know, from at that stage through to right now, you know, when I when I do work with people, I might not be the perfect hypnotherapist for that person, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the downsides of there not always being the best training for people and people going out and doing things that they're not sure about. Because um, if they work with someone and that person then gets a negative experience, they could dismiss hypnotherapy altogether, yeah. where it could help them if they went to see someone else. Right. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. That, you know, that was that was a very interesting one for me and definitely since i since that point and i got more information from my clients it didn't happen as often you know barely at all so yeah, yeah. That, that would be my story that made me cringe <laughs> <laughs> yeah our, our friend tim box because he he started out as a plumber actually before before getting into hyp hypnotherapy and hypnosis and and he says you know people will be very quick to write off hypnotherapy if they have a bad experience and 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 completely just just shut it down but it's not you know nobody's ever gonna sort of write off a plumber because you're always gonna nope nope I need a plumber so I'll call a different plumber yeah but, I'll get yeah, that one <laughs> exactly exactly but they'll be very quick to write off hypnotherapy as yeah. as a as a means as as a yeah as a what's the word that I'm looking for I can't yeah as a means yeah <laughs> yeah 100% hmm so yeah, and um, yeah, I can't. I've... <laughs> now she's did you have a little, you have a little brain just, part? Yeah, just just complete, <laughs> complete. Yeah. She spent eight hours in an airport the other day trying to get home. Yesterday, so yesterday. yesterday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do not envy that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So, sorry. Questions just completely gone out of my mind, Anthony. Well, that's okay. So it's now that, it's that stage hypnosis working, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so now when I'm looking at all of the things that you do, you're tell us a little bit. How many books do you have out there, Rory? Because oh, you've got here. Let me click. Hold on. Let me just click on this link that I've got here. Um, one. I can I can I can list them for you if you want. That's oh, no. Here we go. Place. Begin. OK, you, you have quite a few. Now, yeah. hypnofasting. Do you happen to know? 
okay, that's a con. That's where I've heard about you from. Was the hypno fasting? Do you happen to know Joseph Onesta? I do. He's doing something similar, um, slightly slightly different point to to what he's doing. Um, yes. I think his is more relating to a specific condition, isn't it? Diabetes. Diabetes. Di yeah. That's yes. the one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Whereas whereas my my version is uh, for weight management. Um, right. Pretty much. Yeah, and obviously the, all all of the the health benefits that kind of go around the topic and that you would get from intermittent fasting alone. Right on. Yeah, I was looking at that. And I, that's where Joseph, because Joseph and I had a conversation about you um, uh, at, at uh, HypnoThoughts last year, because he was his book was there. And then somebody asked about your or mentioned you. And, and that's the first time I had heard about you now that I think about it, because then Nicole brought you up. And I'm like, I've heard about him, I think. Um, cause I'm still, I'm still so focused on all the things that I'm doing that, um, a lot of the UK stuff was kind of oblivious. I was oblivious to, uh, for a long time until I met Tim and then Howard Cooper and, and, um, yeah, so it's, it's been good. You've got a lot of great books here. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah, I get I get fairly good feedback on them. The, the hypno fasting one um, is is going really well, and um, it comes with a, a free MP3. So it's not for hypnotherapists necessarily. It's more for a client. Right. However, as as a hypnotherapist, and a, a few therapists have told me that they've taken a load of, as as you said earlier, nuggets of information um, that they can then go out and and apply. It's something. It's something that I'm considering creating a course for at some point to teach that model. But I, I don't tend to. Um, like too much teaching models because people can get stuck in models and then they think, ah, this is all that I ever need, but it's usually not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you know, there's, that's an interesting thing that you brought that up. I think models are amazing. Um, they can be, yeah. But if they're taught with the, with the idea behind them and the foundation that this model can't be applied to every single thing, well, it can, but it may not work with every single thing. And so you have to be able to say, you know what, this isn't going to be applicable to what we are doing with you. Yeah. So you need exactly. to find somebody else, right? That's where people miss out a lot, I think, is they, they will apply their model even when it's not necessarily appropriate for the person. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe appropriate yeah. for I mean, the thing, but not for the person, not at that time anyway, or with that particular um, hypnotist, right? And mm -hmm. so that's where I, I love models because I'm a process guy, um, but there has to be the recognition of the limit for the person that you're applying it with. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we trained someone years and years ago who came to us um, and surprisingly came to us after having a negative hypnotherapy experience personally and um she went to a hypnotherapist who specialized in regression therapy regression to cause it was a specific model i believe but won't mention whatever one it is um, i bet i know what it is you probably do maybe you might not there are there are a couple of them out there <laughs> yes there are yeah, um that came came out um well came, came to that hypnotherapy session she told us and um she went for weight management and she she wanted to to lose a few pounds and the therapist basically within the session decided that okay well to find out how to sort this out we're going to regress you back to your childhood and find out why you're overweight now, you know. Uh, and in some cases, there may be a tangible link to, you know, why that's happened. But in her case, which as in many other cases, it was actually a behavioral issue. And she'd recently got a new partner and that partner liked to eat a lot of bread. 
So she had started eating a lot of bread and got fat. <laughs> so basically, she needed to, you know, you know, um, work on her behaviours. Maybe potentially work on a bit of cognitive, you know, thought stopping and you know changing beliefs and things like that. Because it had been going on for a little while. Um, but you know, there was there was no point for her to you know be regressed um, to to try and find something that that didn't exist. But the 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 negative thing, even more negative, I think, about that story is that. Um, the hypnotherapist was very protocol based and was running to a certain time because they had another client and they literally woke her up in the middle of an ab reaction and oh, kicked her out of the office and oh said, okay, I've got another client now. And she had to phone her partner in tears to come and pick her up because she couldn't drive home. Oh, that's like, terrible. Fuck, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> You can't do that as a therapist. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous, you know. So for me, yes, models are great. Like, regression is fantastic. I would probably say in all of my clients, I probably use regression about 20% of my clients, maybe less, because you generally don't need it. You know, right. because yeah. it's, it's a great yeah. model, but it's like using a sledgehammer to bash in a nail, you know, it yeah. doesn't necessarily need to have. <laughs> that's a great, that's a, I like that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, Sorry, do I do you... I derailed the topic again. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, no. And and that's such a isn't it interesting? Oh god, that's that's terrible. I couldn't imagine doing that. Waking somebody up in the middle of the session in the middle of an ab reaction, like, okay, it's time to go now. I've got somebody else. Yeah. I mean, well, again, if, if they're not taught how to, to... Sorry, go, go ahead, Rory. I say if they're, not, if they're not taught how to deal with it, then maybe mm. the hypnotherapist was just so uncomfortable that you're like, get out, get out. I can't deal with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's that's uh, shocking, really. And that's that's the sort of thing that you were talking about before. You know, we need to protect the profession. As as professionals, we need to protect the profession by by being good at what we do and being able to manage manage any situation that comes up, especially in with what we're you know the tools that we're choosing to use with any given client. You right. need to be able to manage the situations and whatever emerges from that. Yeah, I mean, it's un unlike every other therapy, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, every other therapy that's out there, well, the majority of them, um, hypnotherapy has uh, an added impediment in that we have all of the um, negative press for hypnosis and mind control to fight against. So it's sometimes yeah. an uphill battle with certain clients. So, yeah, that's it doesn't help if we've got hypnotherapists out there who are doing shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So this, I, had, this I had somebody come to me and and as what they were doing, he was he was he told me he says I I believe that it works. He says, but I don't believe in the people that I was working. He says I feel I I've got a real distrust. And I was like, well, you need to talk to me a little bit about that, so I have a you know an understanding of what it what your experience was. And he very clearly remembers that the post hypnotic suggestion was that should you need any additional work and any other time that you need work with this, you'll be more than happy to call us back and work with us some more on this or other things. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that was a post hypnotic. What the who the hell does that? And how can they even say that they're even partially ethical? I mean, well, maybe. Maybe they think that people in hypnosis won't pick up on that kind of thing, but they well, do. then that shows you what they know about hypnosis. Yeah, and it, it, <laughs> you know, even you know, even if that person did a great hypnotherapy session by including that statement in there, they could have completely wrecked that entire session for them, and that person just gone, yeah, no, I'm not going to listen to any of what you just said because you're a sleazy salesperson. Exactly, <laughs> and then they ended up in my chair, right? Um, and which is and better. <laughs> oh luckily, yeah luckily. i mean got what got what he definitely got what he wanted um 
but it was interesting to hear that because I was fairly new at that point and I thought you know again like I, I go into a lot of things not anymore but I used to, I, I step into a lot of things and I'm like put these blinders on that everybody who is doing this is doing this all to it you know for the same reasons I'm doing it to help people and to be you know you know go out there and just be positive influence on people and and I got to remember that no that's not reality um, there's not always nice people out there doing nice things sure I mean that is again it's the I, I say that sometimes, you know, to, to to students who are learning hypnotherapy, but it's the same with any profession, you know, take the plumber, you know, or, or a doctor, you know, there are people out there who aren't taking the care that they should probably be taking, but it just, it seems just like the negative press seems to stick a bit more with yeah. hypnotherapy just because yeah. of everything else and the you know the past you know what used to happen with hypnosis and all that kind of thing but yeah there, there was um there was a hypnotherapist i heard of who who um, would do a hypnotic block and suggest at the end of the session that no other hypnote hypnotherapist will ever be able to hypnotize you apart from me oh you know, my gosh like, what if that <laughs> what if that hypnotherapist was dire you know <laughs> <laughs> and some people some people are as you know ridiculously suggestible and some you know some people could take that suggestion on board potentially yeah. so it's a very dangerous thing yeah that... <laughs> so Rory who have been some big um you know big influences in your life in terms of hypnosis um big influences um initially um if going back to my horror story days i'd say dracula that was my first big influence <laughs> with hypnosis because i thought that was cool um but, uh, <laughs> after after that um milton erickson obviously you hear this all the time i'm, I'm sure but milton erickson just his pure dogged flexibility and ability mm. to think outside the box and that's that's how i like to work is mm. you know work with the person that's there and the person that's there on that day because mm -hmm. it always changes and that's something that I got from you know reading all, all about um, Milton Erickson um, so he, he was um, very very big in in my regard um, also from the stage hypnosis side of things um, I, I one of one of the um, earlier books that I read was Ormond McGill's Encyclopedia of Stage Hypnotism which is a huge book and some of it is slightly outdated um, but I got a lot of really good stuff um, from that and you know he, he did he did awesome stunts you you know, he'd rent out an entire shop window in like in a huge city and have it plastered with advertising and have a woman hypnotized in a bed saying, you know, I'm going to awaken this woman. She's hypnotized. I'm going to awaken her at my show this evening. Come and see it's at this theater. You know, all of that kind of stuff that that really um, it really piqued my interest as, you know, people doing things differently to, to what mm -hmm. everyone else was doing. So so that's great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there, there are there are loads of loads of figures from from the past that are, that are really interesting you know the, the hypnosis being used for surgeries and to remove massive yeah. tumors i can't remember the name of the guy what was his name it begins with e maybe i can't remember i'm, I'm terrible for names <laughs> um but yeah there's uh, and i mean even, even like fast forward to nowadays there are you know some some people in films doing hypnosis that i think wow that's that's pretty cool you know I like there's um now you see me um, mm. And where Woody Harrelson played the hypnotist, and mm. he did he did a little bit um, about I think he he was just in an airport or something and he was hypnotizing um, a wife and his husband was there and he's trying to extort money, <laughs> which obviously we wouldn't do uh, with yes. hypnosis. But but the way that that was executed in the film, like I was like, well that 
could work. You know, if you if you did something along those lines, they're not far off the mark. So, you know, it's yeah, it's it's not something that I would necessarily ascribe to. You know, say, oh, you know, that he he's absolutely fantastic. I'm going to model myself on him. I just thought <laughs> that was a he was a figure that um, I, I thought was quite interesting from from a film, as opposed to many films out there where they're showing hypnosis in less pleasant vein like in, in get out that was one of the films that was out recently that was a little uh, more sinister with with hypnosis in it <laughs> yes we've had a couple of our of our guests that um uh a couple of black hypnotists and we we're like what is that movie and they're like that movie fucks it up um, <laughs> it's it's they've all agreed that that movie has not done them any favors um for for building up the the um love of hypnotherapy in the black community <laughs> i mean in in many non-white communities from my own experience it seems to be a bit of a harder sell yes. um whether that's you know relig religious or cultural um implications but yeah it's um it's just that's an interesting thing yeah. <laughs> so yeah they're, they're they're again if that's if that's then affecting them further then that's yeah that's a, a, bit, a bit unhelpful i suppose yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been having a conversation. It was but it was quite important to Anthony and I just you know to open up the conversation about the the lack of diversity in the world of hypnosis, and we've definitely noticed it and made an effort to you know connect with and and invite invite all all sorts of people onto onto the podcast. I'm not really sure what yeah. your perception is in terms of the UK um into with with you know diversity well, and yeah i mean in, in terms of our training um yeah the, the majority of people who come on are white british um mm. and that that does seem to be the majority um but we we've had people from all, all different cultures cultures and ethnicities um we've had we've had people coming coming to us specifically from other countries as well we had someone come from um abu dhabi we had someone who who flew over from um india as well just to just to train with us um so yeah there are there are many many people doing it out there um from from different cultures but in the uk it definitely does seem to be more predominantly um a, a, a white people yeah. type thing i don't know why that is necessary because um you know everyone else that we've had from from other cultures has done really well um and yeah. you, know, you know there are lots of them out there our, our own graduates who are doing fantastic work with people mm. so I, if anyone's listening to this feel free to learn hypnotherapy because you can you know regardless of where you're from your age your race your background you can probably help lots of people you know it's interesting to hear you say that and I and I saw this on your website and I, I I'm I'm just curious so you guys are okay with working with people as long as they're going to be 18 by the time they get their their certification and cool. and I think that personally I wonder if someone who is that age can help people that are twice, three times their age, if they just don't have the life experience, because but a they've lot got a of, different perspective, right? There's well, nothing. They do I don't have think... a different perspective, which is going to add to it. Mm. But I still think that there's a lot to be said for life experience. You know, there is. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree there. When I started out, I, as I said, I was a teenager, and that's true. Uh, that's true. Not I mean, many people. Dan Candell. Not, yeah, not many people would um, believe. 
in me as a hypnotherapist when I was a teenager. And um, so I, I probably had less clients than I could have if I'd started out when I was older. And as I yeah. grew older into my early 20s, I started to get more clients because people mm. would take me more seriously. Um, but but that said, there's there's nothing stopping people from using their rage you know um we had we had a student like you just said who qualified and went when when he was 18 and he's gone on to do masses of work with people i think he's worked with um british airways helping people get oh. over flying phobias and that was before right he was 20, on. you know um so it's definitely something that you can do but as with anything it's how you sell what you're doing you yeah know, that's an yeah, important yeah, factor yeah. as as a as a therapist you know not just learning the therapy but learning how to market yourself as well yeah. and that's something that's something that we aim to t- I don't know if you guys teach but um we we aim to teach people how to put themselves out there as well as how to do the stuff you know how to find yeah. the people to do yeah, it you with. know and I guess I hadn't thought about that piece of it that there are a lot of things that I do with people that I could have done you know I guess I think of myself as a 20 year old and how fucked up I was and I'm like yeah. I can't think of myself helping somebody else I mean I thought that I had all my shit together right yeah <laughs> But, you know, but now that I look back, I'm like, dude, man, what the hell? Um, but, but isn't I it amazing? I Wouldn't it, I, I kind of look at people like Rory and Dan Kandel and, and yes. Scott Jensen, all these people that have, you know, come to us and said, oh, yeah, I, I started off as a teenager. And you just think, wow, isn't that amazing? The amount yeah. of the amount of work you what you would have done on yourself as you grew through it through that and had the yeah. tools and all of this learning experience. Um, and then you're able to to take that over to to other people. I just think it's amazing. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, by, by the age of 23, I was perfect. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not. Right. Well, you know, the thing about it is, and it's like, you know, I do, I forget about that sometimes because if you're doing this and if you're that age and you're throwing yourself into it, think about the amount of passion and, and, and the energy and drive you have at that age. So that is going to push you to probably do it a little bit a little bit better because you got to prove yourself that much more you know i hadn't thought about that that's why i like to have these kinds of conversations and you can also um, jump into your own niche as well you know because a lot of teenagers aren't necessarily comfortable working with older therapists yeah so, that's true you know, we've, we've had we've had a couple of people who've gone on to work you know with people their own age um just because they have that initial age-based rapport you know um, so there are many ways to look at it yeah 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 you know that's that's you know and that's one of the reasons that um, I love to have these conversations and why when I see something that I go, huh, I need to have I need to have a better I need to have a larger scope of understanding of this. And, and you know, there were some things that were brought up just in that small conversation that I was like, oh, yeah, duh, there's a lot of good reasons to have an 18 year old out there doing it. Rory, I've got one final question for you. You've sure. got the two day stage and street hypnosis and you've got the one day rapid hypnosis training. What's the difference between the two? Oh, yeah, good question. Um, well, basically, um, not, not necessarily all stage hypnotists use rapid inductions. They tend to use elements of rapid inductions, unless you see the American um, you know, high school shows where the guy's just walking along a line of students going, sleep, 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 and pulling their arms and shaking their hands and all that kind of stuff. In the UK, people are not quite as um, <laughs> receptive uh, on mm. stage shows, um, you, you know, dep- depending on the, the group, depending on the, the, the event type and all, all of these other factors. So um, 
it is an element that, that is taught, um, but within my stage hypnosis weekend, um, you learn how to do that, but also how to do a group, you know, progressive style hypnotic induction to hypnotize everyone at the same time, um, which uh, again, both of those things, even outside of stage hypnosis are fantastically useful mm. tools for any hypnotist to have, whatever, whatever you're planning on doing with hypnosis. So that's part of it but yeah the the first day of the stage hypnosis training is the same as the one day rapid induction right, course. I see. so I see. the mm. one day rapid induction course are basically whoever comes along and people come along with absolutely no hypnosis experience whatsoever so they, they some some of them don't even know who i am i don't know i had no idea how to get there <laughs> they just turn out like, oh yeah i came for a day out let's teach me some hypnosis um, so i start kind of i start everyone off from a kind of a blank slate as it were mm. and you know go, cover the basics of hypnosis and even sometimes have hypnotherapists going oh well, I didn't think about it like that. Uh, so it's always good to, you know, get those little nuggets of information potentially. Um, and then, yeah, we cover how to do suggestibility tests, how to do suggestibility tests with groups of people on, you know, or a one-to-one -one basis, how to do rapid inductions and hypnotize people fast with, you know, within a couple of seconds even. Um, and then lots of physical, tactile, hypnotic deepening um, approaches as well that work fantastically. And then the whole afternoon is spent just hypnotizing people, you know, in and out, in and out. It's absolutely fantastic and people leave feeling thoroughly hypnotized which is great <laughs> um and then yeah so the the, the two-day one uh, is it has all of that stuff and then on the second day it's all about how to formulate a not a stage show but how to formulate how to do something fun with hypnosis you know so what what you need to alter about your pre-talk and how to deliver a good pre-talk to make sure people are receptive to hypnosis um and then you know how to how to develop fun suggestions and to make sure that they're appropriate and, and they're suitable for you know whoever it is that yes. you are hypnotizing because some people have very interesting ideas about what is suitable i had on my rapid induction day once um very early on i, I got people to create their own rapid hypnotic deepener um and i had somebody send their client in their imagination into an elevator which went down um, from the ground floor down to the basement and then down again relaxing more down to the sub basement and then down to the fiery pits of hell oh, which gosh. you know not necessarily quite you know so appropriate <laughs> <laughs> uh, so people will come up with interesting uh, interesting ideas you know one on one stage hypnosis course that we ran uh, like three or four years ago i noticed over in the corner of the room it was a relatively large room that we rented out for it um that there was someone kind of just swatting around in the air like there were flies or something and i kind of jogged over uh, and i said oh what, what are you doing with him what you know, what's going on here he's like oh yeah I'm, he's being attacked by wasps and i was like what <laughs> why are you doing this that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, stop and I took the suggestions away and relaxed him and calmed it down. And you know, um, so it really does require when doing um, stage hypnosis stuff, which is a little bit of logic, you know, a little, a little bit of common sense, and that yes. that tends to to get you a long way. And um, the majority of people who come along have you know um, <laughs> more more common sense, and they they do things that are you know fun for everyone. And that's that's one of the um, one of the things that I'm trying to help help people kind of get away from is the old idea of stage hypnosis making fun of people because yeah. that doesn't work for me. No, you know, yeah, you know the old kind of gentlemen's club stage hypnotist getting people to hump a chair and you know everyone just laugh at them. You know that doesn't yeah. really work. So so my you know the way that I do hypnosis is I want you know everyone in the audience to have a great time, but I want the people who are up on stage to have the best time. 
you know, yeah. so that they then go away and they tell their friends, they say, oh, it's a brilliant experience being hypnotized. And then they'll come yeah. to me and they'll they'll buy more of my stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so, yeah, it's, again, it's just it's all about giving people a really positive experience, regardless of what kind of, of hypnosis that you're doing. Um, yeah. But yeah, my, my, if you don't mind me plugging, my next stage hypnosis course is on the, on the 18th and 19th of June um, in London Embankment. Um, we do it at a five-star venue, so that's really nice. Um, but yeah, anyone, anyone's welcome. You don't need any stage hypnosis experience whatsoever. Um, and I also have one-day rapid induction courses throughout the year too, but I think uh, the next one may collide with when this is being released. So the next one will probably be in September at some time, but the dates and stuff are on my website. So yeah. So when are you thinking about doing your next stage one? You said September. September? June. Uh, in in June. Yeah. Well, I know, but you June and then when's the next June, one? After June that? and then after that, I tend to do, to do the stage ones twice a year. Um, so the next one will probably be in November or December. Ah, because I'm going to be in I'm going to be in the UK at the end of at the end of August, first part of September. Ooh, let me look at my diary. <laughs> I, I, I have no, something you know, in Nicole and I, Nicole and I love to do classes together. And and we were going to do a stage hypnosis class together. We're, we're still talking about it, but it's online and she wants to do something a little bit. And and, and that, that was all. I was like, I, I thought that if you had one in around that time, it would be something Nicole and I could do together. But uh, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be there's going to be one in September for just the, the one day, the, the rapid induction It's definitely worth coming along to if you're around anyway. Right um, it'll, either, it'll either be the first weekend in September or likely the third weekend in September. So, uh, but that's I think not the first. I think the first one works yet. better for Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rory, thank you so, so much for your time, for being here, for your generosity, your wisdom, your knowledge, your kindness and, and everything. We've really, really enjoyed talking to you and, and so, so grateful for, for yeah, for, for you being part of this, this episode. Yeah, well, I very, it's, it's been a pleasure. I, I, I appreciate it just because I wanted, I told Nicole before we started, it's like, I'm going to ask this guy some hard questions maybe um, because I'm just, I'm that way. Um, I'm extremely opinionated and, and I love to hear how people do their work. And there were some things that I was like, I want to, I want to, I want to pick his brain about this. And you were really awesome with the way that you responded that just made my day. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to have me back and ask me harder questions, it's all good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe twenty twenty three on the first of January. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, thanks, guys. It's been it's been really great chatting to you, and it's always nice to speak to like minded individuals. So yeah, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely awesome. It was, thanks it was so good much. To, it was good to get to know you, Rory. Thank you very much. I, I very much appreciate it. Have a wonderful New Year, sir. Cheers, yep. and you, Anthony, and see you, Nicole. Take care, Rory. We'll be in touch. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.